Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation it's officially September. I'm a little bummed. I'm not going to lie. I love the summer. And uh, unfortunately, it is over. And that means that whether you are a freshman just starting high school like my son or you're in sophomore, junior year, you're probably thinking about college if you're listening. And for those of you who are seniors who have children who are seniors, you guys are in it. Um, today's show, we're going to be talking about financial aid refund intriguing concept, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We also have an exciting new partnership that I am uh, looking forward to telling you all about. But before we get to that, uh, we have been over the past couple of weeks offering some stuff for our listeners who are in the process of actually going off to college. So they've gotten in, but they're still listening. Now they're heading off to college or they're parents of students who are heading off to college. And so we've been trying to talk through how to make uh, the most of this time and some of the challenges that you're going to face. And today we're talking about making a successful transition into college. And I'm really excited to welcome Mark Altman, who's the founder of Mindset Go. And his company's mission is to really help people of all ages be more confident and skilled communicators. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm great, Beth. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you here, especially because one of the things that we definitely hear about, um, whether it's from students that we've worked with who are coming home or uh, just reading about in the media, students who really seem to struggle with making this transition into college. And so we thought it would be really useful to our listeners uh, to hear some of your advice. And so I think my first question for you is, as a parent, um, so I already did this. I sent my stepson off to college a couple of years ago, but I know that this is something that a lot of parents have questions about, certainly something that my husband and I had questions about, and that is how can we help our student connect with a new roommate and or um, kind of advocate for him or herself if there are issues, whether it's with the new roommate, with the dorm in general, or with other things that they're encountering when they arrive at school? Yeah, Beth, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a two-pronged question. I mean, I think the first part is that there's so much of an effort that students and parents are making to get into the college of their choice, and typically that focus is around, you know, your grades and extracurricular and testing and financial aid and all the aspects, but what typically gets neglected is their communication and interpersonal skills. So the first thing as a parent I'm asking my children is, I'm asking them what are their what are their actual fears and stressors heading off to college, so that first they can see if their kids can even articulate what those specific fears are. Because frankly, in many cases, they're basing their fears on what they're hearing from older siblings or friends and the horror stories. And you very rarely hear someone say, "Oh, well, don't worry, your first semester is going to be seamless. You're not going to have any issues at all." <laughs> so I think being able to articulate what those issues are, and then from a simple point of view as a parent, taking them through. So, for example, if you have a fight with your roommate, if your roommate tends to be dirty and you tend to be very organized and clean, 
talk to me about how you would handle those situations. What would those conversations look like, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be the first couple of pieces of advice I would give. Uh, great advice. And I will say that you're right. No one ever talks about the, oh, it was great. I met my best friend and first semester was a joy. It seemed like I had tons of friends and nobody else did and didn't seem, you know, I, I was the only one around me who transitioned seamlessly. Instead, you hear the horror stories about the kids who have trouble meeting other kids who can't get out of their own rooms or who have the nightmare roommate. Um, and I think that's great advice, though, because everyone's going to have a different experience and every kid is going to be concerned about different things because um, maybe your kid is the dirty one. And so they may have to worry about how am I going to handle it if my roommate is super keeps things super clean and that's not really my traditional way. What could I do to make that an easier thing? Um, what yeah. about? Yeah, sorry. No, no problem. Beth, I was just going to add one other thing that I think is really, really important. And that is your core values, because I think what comes down to is, you know, whether you're a big fish in your high school or a small fish in your high school, when you go to meet other new kids, professors, whoever, and you're trying to form that template of confidence and self-esteem to figure out how you're fitting in and at the same time how you're standing out, I think identifying what your core values are, so you have a template that you've developed to say, hey, this is a person I want in my life that's positive, that's upbeat, that's loyal, that's supportive, that's kind. And as simple as that sounds, I think there's a lot of times, even as adults, when we're trying to form new relationships, where we're trying to figure out, is this a good or is this not so good? So I just wanted to add that component as well. Nope. Great, great uh, advice there. And to that end, I guess, other advice um, that you might have around helping teens to meet new people and build a new circle of friends, because if they're living away from home, and even if they're not, quite honestly, even if they are commuting to college, it's still a brand new environment. And for many kids, this may be the very first time that they have ventured away from home or into a new environment if they've been going to the same school system since they started going to school, but way back in kindergarten. Yeah, well, Beth, one of my favorite topics is motivation and really understanding your why. And I think for kids, when they think about the kinds of organizations they want to join, clubs, organizations, intramurals, things like that, you know, understand why. You know, if you like to play sports and you're like, well, I want to join that sports team, that's fine, right? So that's an easy one. But when it comes to fraternities and sororities and clubs, what are the criteria that you would decide in knowing that those clubs are a good fit because all those student organizations are going to try to sell you on the merits and the benefits of why you should join this group and why the relationships are so rewarding. But I think having kind of a list of criteria, three to five criteria saying, hey, this club would be a good fit. And, you know, the criteria could include as far as the commitments you have to make in being a part of that club and balancing those commitments with your workload and, and the stresses that start with being in a new environment. Another criteria could be um, what kind of opportunity to develop your passion and skill that that club would provide. Another opportunity would be if you tend to be introverted and you, you, you're likely to be stuck in your room are the meetings, are there frequent meetings that are going to bring you out of your shell and comfort zone and going to try to nurture some, some traits that you would like to develop? So those are a few criteria, but that's, I think, a big part of it. Got it. And again, great advice. 
And then I think on the flip side of that, how do you help a student or if you're the student, how do you yourself deal with missing home, missing being close to your parents, living in the same home as your parents? I I always think that in theory, it sounds great. You can't wait to get out of the house. But for a lot of kids, once they're out, they realize, oh, my goodness, it was great back there because it was safe. You know, that's what you knew. So um, advice around that, that stuff, you know, sort of how to get away from um, feeling too homesick uh, when you're just starting out. Well, that's an awesome question, Beth. And actually, it involves a few things. So let's start simple. The first piece is your child feeling comfortable to advocate for themselves if they are missing home. Because there's a lot of parents that set up a, a communication where you know, oh, it's no big deal, or come on, you can tough it out, or come on, your brothers and sisters did this. So first is creating that culture before they head off to school to basically say, look, if you need to talk, if you're missing home, friends, family, whoever, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Please, we encourage you. We want to be um, uh, a resource so you can vent and, and share and whatever. So I think the first place is really creating the communication environment where the kids feel safe to share that. Uh, The second thing is, I think managing and setting expectations is essential because a lot of times with with my own children, uh, we would say, okay, every Monday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to catch up. So it was built in our schedule. And as odd as it seems to schedule time with your children, unlike your calendar, it it, it allows consistency. So, because let's face it, you're busy, the kids get busy, so I think setting and managing expectations where both sides, it's, this is not a one-sided thing either, Beth, because mm-hmm. we want kids to say, hey, can we talk once a week, twice a week, and when are we going to plan the time to make that happen? But it's also the parents' needs, because parents are going to know what's going on in their kids' lives, and I know parents are very often get frustrated with, you know, the house call is going good, you know, mm-hmm. anything new? Yeah, my classes are okay. So I think it's a two-way street in both sides being able to articulate what they want and need out of those communications. And I think expectations are okay as long as they're articulated and as long as both sides agree to them so you're not set up for disappointment. Yeah, and I also think that one of the one of the benefits of setting a time to talk with your kids, too, is that you're maybe not overly communicating with them. I know that can be a challenge is, especially if you're used to talking to your child every day or texting with them multiple times a day, um, that you may want to give that a little bit of a break as hard as it will be as a parent sometimes to make that break um, and not be constantly texting your child, not be constantly calling them, trusting that they are making their way and that they'll reach out if they need you, but also then you know you have this time set up to talk, and so hopefully everyone can kind of make it to that time and maybe save up some of the things that they wanted to connect on. Or even if you feel like you you must connect once a day, if maybe you have an established time to do that so it isn't multiple times throughout the day, um, because I do think that can get a little overbearing and also enhance feelings of homesickness because you're never you're never really making that break. Well, I think that's a great point, especially the last point, Beth, about enhancing feelings of homesickness. And, you know, one piece of advice I would offer to build on what you just mentioned is kind of a running joke in my family. Um, when 
when we try to get off the phone with my mother, the worst thing we could say <laughs> is we need to leave because that makes the conversation last that much longer. And I think what's critical in your communication with kids is kids from an attention span perspective these days, it's not so much the length of the conversation. It's more just maintaining the connection. So whether some conversations are 30 minutes and some conversations are five, getting kids to be on the phone and just prioritize the time to maintain that connection. So it's not a quantity of time. It's just a quality of time. And I think that's important as well. Excellent. Yes, I think great points. Uh, Mark, is there anything else as we wrap this up? Any any other last-minute tips or thoughts that you'd like to share with students and parents who are in the midst of, of um, heading off to college or sending their kids off to college? Yeah, I think it's just be aware of your own templates and expectations of yourself and how you reflect those on your kids because, you know, kids need the room to grow and develop. And that doesn't mean you can't advocate as a parent for what you want and need. But I think this is a time where keeping those communication channels open at all times because kids need all the support and resources and love they can get. And to me, that should be the number one priority. I could not agree more. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really helpful. Uh, My pleasure, Beth. And uh, thanks for all the great work you're doing with kids and look forward to talking with you again. Absolutely. And just for our listeners, again, Mark's company is Mindset Go. So if you're interested in learning more about what he does, you can check him up out online. Uh, We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with some exciting news about a new collaboration that we are uh, launching. So don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Very excited to welcome my next guest, Nick Dukoff, who is the co-founder and CEO of Edmit. And I'm going to let Nick tell you a little bit more about what Edmit is all about, but we're very excited because not only are we going to let you know more about his company and what they, how they can help you, but also we're going to be um, doing something exciting together. So hi, hi Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, really excited to welcome you to the show. We have been talking for months now about doing some things together. And one of the very earliest things that we suggested was that you guys come on to the podcast. So um, excited to finally realize that and welcome you to the show. Um, I think the first question I have for you is um, just a really basic overview of what Edmit is or, or the whole goal behind um, creating the company. Sure. So my co-founder, Sabrina Manville, and I both previously were university administrators. I was a vice president at Northeastern University, and Sabrina was an AVP at Southern New Hampshire University. And we started Edmit to help families uh, make smarter college choices. Our software provides personalized data-driven advice to help families understand the true cost and overall value of different colleges helping them ultimately incur less debt and have better earnings outcomes. Got it. So that, of course, is super exciting to us because one of the things that we talk to families about a lot is, you know, they'll say, well, we got into these, my student will say, I got into these three colleges, which one is best? (laughs) And best is such a subjective term. But I do think that in the end, what they really mean is, which is the one that's going to put me on the path to success? I mean, that is really one of the reasons that we go to college. It's not the only reason why we go to college, but certainly when you're going to spend the kind of money that you do on college, you're hoping to also put yourself in a position to um, have a successful life and however you define that. So when you guys talk about value and college, what do you mean by that specifically? Absolutely. We, we're, we're looking at three things when we talk about financial fit, affordability, earnings potential, and value. And for us, value is a function of the college's cost and the college's potential career outcomes for that student. So there are so many parts of fit, both emotional and the financial and quantitative parts. And we're, what we're trying to do is, is bridge these by uh, helping families really understand what their return on investment is going to be. Got it. And this is what's so exciting to me because a lot of people have tried to sort of figure this out over the years. Um, but you guys are doing some interesting things around that. So how specifically does Edmit help families figure out that value proposition? Our proprietary Edmit algorithm helps families understand what they are likely to pay for college 
it's so hard to know what college actually is going to cost. And so what our data helps inform is what a student is likely to receive in financial aid and merit aid. The cost is a big component of it, but also, of course, is the earnings. And so we also can personalize earnings estimates based on uh, the college that a student is matriculating to as well as their choice of major. So once we've taken the cost and the potential career outcomes, we can help present families high-fidelity data around the return on investment. And just to put it in um, sort of practical perspective, one of the things that was really cool, I remember you and I looked at an example of a student with a certain um, was it certain test scores and GPA, and then you plugged in um, sort of their, that detail and then their areas of interest, and it kind of popped up some schools that they might want to consider. But then on the flip side of that, what was really cool was the whole modeling, what happens when you know who has accepted you and you know what the cost is going to be, plugging that in and seeing what your earnings potential will be at, let's say you applied to the University of Pennsylvania, Penn State, and um, Lehigh, and your earnings potential based on your um, the major you wanted to do, um, and that really was such an intriguing way to consider which one might actually be the better option rather than just going on, well, Penn is an Ivy, so Obviously, it's worth the money to spend, but it might not be, depending on what you're planning to major in and where you um, imagine your career going. And, and that was very interesting to me. Yeah. So, you know, on the traditional measures uh, that people often consider when comparing colleges, uh, things that are very easy to find, like published tuition, the selectivity in student profile, um, really generic um median earnings outcomes, colleges can look very similar on their face. But Mm -hmm. what our data helps do is really uh, help people understand which specific colleges are going to stand out for them. An example I like to give is Fordham and Villanova. Uh, Those two colleges are ranked similarly by U.S. News and World Report, have similar profiles, um, have similar published tuition and average earnings outcomes. But for certain families, for instance, families earning over $100,000 in household income, Fordham tends to uh, considerably offer greater merit scholarships uh, than does Villanova. So for the same family, the cost, the net cost, mm-hmm. what you're going to pay at the end of the day for Fordham might be as much as ten dollars to $15,000 less per year than Villanova, which looks very similar. So that's a savings of Forty to $60,000 that would otherwise be hard to know about unless you've uh, really dug deep into the data. Right. And that is what's so exciting because it's very difficult to dig deep into the data. And and then the, the piece I was also referring to around you can look at general median incomes uh, coming out of these schools, but that doesn't necessarily take into consideration what you are planning to study, correct? So that includes everyone from the people who are maybe engineers going to make a ton of money in their very first job out of college or five years on and people who are going into much 
lower, um, uh, you know, into careers that just don't pay as much. And um, so it's not necessarily useful to imagine what your median income or what your income is more likely to look like coming out of those schools. That's right. No, nobody is average, right? Everybody is a snowflake and there is yep. a best college for everybody, whether you're going to be an English major, whether you're going to be an engineer, whether you live in Detroit, Michigan, whether you live in Sarasota, Florida, um, every family and student has unique circumstances, and yet most all of the available information on the Internet around college selection uh, tends to use averages, which isn't particularly helpful for anybody. Right, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the actual, so if families are thinking, wow, this sounds really interesting, I'd like to check it out. Um Talk a little bit about what, just to use Edmit in general, how how does that work for families? Yeah, so it's free to get started, and you uh, families would have access to data for over 2,000 colleges. We're currently only available uh, in the United States. Um, The software provides personalized financial and merit aid estimates. Um, And for our um, plus customers, they can receive a comprehensive college planning report tailored to their unique situation, again, highly personalized, no averages, that includes um, more accurate merit and financial aid estimates, personalized value rankings, and this concept of financial fit that I mentioned that incorporates affordability, value, and earnings potential, and then data on how you compare to other admitted students like you. Um, we also have recommendations on um, the best colleges for, with respect to fit, the ability to compare data on multiple colleges against one another. We have a financial planning tool that helps families understand how they'll actually pay for college. Um, and then um, we're really excited about um, upcoming announcements, including one we may share today. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm very excited to share this today. And that is that um, we are collaborating together to add the insight that our team brings as former financial aid officers, former admissions officers, and the work that we the work that we've been doing now for 20 years here at College Coach, and combining that with this uh, amazing stuff that your software can do to introduce a um, a third option on the the Edmit portal called Edmit Premium, and so. I think both of us could probably talk a little bit about this, but why don't you start and I can always jump in and add more. Great. So we're so thrilled to be working with College Coach, a division of Bright Horizons, to offer a new premium offering where our high-tech software will meet the high-touch um, that, that your advisors bring. Um, it's really a truly a full-service offering at an incredibly reasonable price of $999. And families that sign up for this will get in addition to all the things that I mentioned for our Admit Plus customers, they'll get personalized support from College Coach, a hand-picked, fully customized list of colleges, as well as an hour expert guidance from a former um, financial aid officer and decision maker at the university level, as well as access to College Coach's terrific uh, 24-7 hotline and learning center. Yeah, exactly. So what we've done is we have put together a couple of webinars that families will be able to view. One is all around the the idea of getting in, sort of giving you some of the stuff that we regularly talk about here on the podcast, but kind of putting it all in one place that's pretty easy to view and then doing a similar effort, uh, another webinar around 
paying for college. Uh, and as you noted, we have a 24-7 help desk where you can email your questions in and get responses via email. We have a whole learning center with um, tons of resources that you can access. And so if you ever have listened to the podcast and thought, boy, I would love to have a little bit more personal help from the team at College Coach um, and maybe inquired about our services and found them to be a little bit out of um, range budget-wise, this is, we hope, a really interesting opportunity to access what we have to offer and combine it with the amazing stuff that Edmit is doing on their end and um, really make what hopefully is is a somewhat of a small investment, still an investment, it's, um, it's not free, but a small investment that will hopefully pay off in um, more options that are really good fits for the student and that really have that whole value proposition built in and the ability to determine the value specifically for you and your family. So we're super excited about this. Um, We are too. Sorry. No, no, great. You mentioned the investment and just one factoid that I like to share is that over $200 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars are spent annually on advice for buying a house and saving for retirement, yet people don't really think about college as the kind of thing, um, you know, to, to get expert advice around, and um, we're really excited to, to offer this service with Bright Horizons and College Coach for a, a reasonable fee relative to, hopefully, um, the, the savings and also um, just additional confidence um, that you're going to have through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in learning more, we have set up a landing page, or Edmit has set up a landing page, um, since that's Sabrina's effort, and I don't want to steal that from her. Um, it's uh, www.edmit.me, so E-D-M-I-T dot M-E forward slash college coach. And so if you go there, uh, you'll find more information about what we're doing with Edmit, also known as Edmit Premium, when you um, go ahead and select the option that includes our services. Um, we hope that you will check it out. And um, Nick, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add or mention uh, before we wrap this up. We're just excited to work together to help more families make smarter college choices. Absolutely. We are too. And uh, I think there might be opportunities to have you back in on a future show and maybe talking through a little bit more uh, about how families can think through the question of value. But I really appreciate your time today uh, and joining us. And uh, we look forward to working together on this, this new exciting venture. Thanks, Beth. All right, everybody, uh, don't go away. We will be back and we're going to be talking about fin- financial aid refunds. It's kind of exciting when you get one of those. So we're going to tell you a little bit more about what that is and what to do with it. So don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. 
Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you ever given any thought to what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option, Rhonda Lukey will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. We've had a great show so far, and there's no let up because I'm very excited to welcome my colleague and former financial aid officer at Emerson College uh, to name just one of the many places she's been involved with financial aid in the past, um, Stacy McFeeders. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. We're talking about something that, quite honestly... Before I saw this uh, pop up on the potential things to talk about on the podcast, I'm not really sure I knew about this. And so I'm guessing that many of our listeners are not aware of this either, but it's around getting a refund from a college. So talk to me about that. What is a refund from a college? Usually they're taking our money, not giving it back. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's not the the most significant occurrence, but basically um, there's there's two cases where a refund can occur. The first one is probably the one we see most often, and that is when a family has covered the balance for any given period of time, whether it's a year or a semester or, or however a school might bill, they've either overpaid the bill or have perhaps taken a loan to cover a balance uh, to, you know, that, that then creates an overage situation. And what happens is the school is obligated to then refund any amount over the amount due 
to the student. Um, the other instance that we see it can sometimes be if, for example, and I actually remember seeing this quite a bit, if a family member was making a contribution directly to the school or we see it kind of often in the case of um, parents who don't communicate well. Maybe it's families who are no longer together and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, payments are being made. Um, so basically the upshot is, is any time money beyond the balance due for a given period of time uh, exists in the account, it would actually then be refunded to the student. Um, so that's kind of the, the quick and dirty on how they happen. Got it. Well, and I think there's a really interesting point here, which I'm guessing you're going to comment on, which is the money gets refunded to the student. Yep. So <laughs> what, um, as a parent, that might be good to know, wait a second, this exactly. is going to my exactly. student. So, yeah. Yeah. So the reality is more times than not, the the refund situation is created by a loan. So what that means is the family um, either intentionally or unintentionally borrowed more than they needed to pay the school, um, but they're fully eligible. So just to go back to our financial aid 101 lessons, you might remember that families can borrow up to the cost of attendance less any financial aid that's been awarded. The cost of attendance isn't necessarily just the build costs. It includes your books, your supplies, your living expenses. So those things are not necessarily billed by the college. So when those occur, you know, those are a part of the, of the cost. So that can very often be the situation where a family creates a credit balance situation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's intentional, as I said. Sometimes families say, well, we're going to go ahead and borrow the full amount so the student can have a little bit of money to live off of. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be, you know, if they're on campus or off campus, they might be thinking, okay, we don't have enough money for books and supplies, so we're going to go ahead and borrow and then allow that to be part of the process. So that's completely acceptable. Um, but the important notes that, that, that you just made or the note that we just made um, is that those refunds are given to the student. Um, sometimes they're cut in the form of a check. Sometimes they're applied directly to a student portal um, when the student can use the funds on campus. But in every event, you've got to remember, once they head off to college, the account, the grades, the financial aid, all of that falls into their purview um, because of, of FERPA laws. So unless there is a written consent from the student to authorize that money to be sent elsewhere, it's going to the student. So that's kind of a really important point. And this seem it is a very important point. So I think a number one probably you need if you suspect there is a refund or even if you literally have no idea a refund is going to go to your student, you should probably let them know. Hey, if you notice there are funds in your account at college that you weren't expecting to be there, or if you get a check in the mail, these are refunds, and you need to let me know about it. We need to talk about yep. it rather than the student yep. simply going, "Oh, awesome! I have a thousand dollars I didn't think about." I guess we're going exactly. on spring break. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and the, then in your the, case, the other, the, yeah. oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, the other thing, say what you were going to say, and then I'll ask you my question. Okay, so the other possibility is that the family doesn't know they've created this overage situation. So yeah. a lot of times families will get an award letter that gives their financial aid eligibility, and part of that the award letter might also include eligibility for a PLUS loan, and they show, the school will show the full cost of attendance less any aid. So the family may not even know that they've created this, this credit balance or this overage situation. So the other piece of advice that I'd really strongly recommend is that if and when you realize that there is an overage, if you don't need that credit or you don't need that refund, you can go ahead and send it back and, and pay down on your loan. 
um, particularly in the case of a plus loan where you might have a, a fairly high uh, loan fee, um, or if it's just simply money you absolutely don't need, there's no reason to overborrow. So if you have borrowed unintentionally, if you return those funds within a, within a certain period of time, that can be basically canceled, a, a canceled portion of the loan. So interest would not have accrued. Um, so I think this, the, the second piece of it is if you are getting the refund, make sure you know about it. If you don't need the refund, definitely um, take steps to return it. That could definitely save you some, some money long term. Well, and, and this begs the question, especially if you're getting a refund because of it's the loan money, are there any requirements around, I mean, it's a student loan, you borrowed to pay for college, can you, could you, could, in theory, I'm not suggesting this, by the way, to all of our listeners, not suggesting you take that money and use it to fund a spring break trip, but if you did, would you be in violation of anything given that that money was actually, is loan money? So that's a great question. And so the reality is this. It is intended to be used for educational expenses, books, supplies, tuition fees, room and board, personal expenses. Um, so the intention is that it is, in fact, to be used for your educational expenses. Now, if the entire credit balance or the sort of the, the amount that covered your entire bill was all from federal aid, you want to be careful about that. But if your family paid some and borrowed some... It, you're not, you don't ultimately know what really created the credit, but the, the, the short answer is you really should be trying to, to, to uh, restrict the use of those funds um, to, to those educational expenses. Although in my, my 25 plus years in, in higher ed administration, I'm fairly sure I've heard of students using their refunds for things other <laughs> like spring break trips. But again, you should really try to adhere to the intended purpose. Yes, um, I think students have probably used money for all kinds of things other than the intended purpose, and quite honestly, so have adults. So, um, <laughs> exactly. who are we? Who are we to say? Um, in your opinion, based on the twenty-five years you've been in this industry, I mean, what do you think about getting a refund? Do you see that as a a good thing, a bad thing? Is that sort of? I know, to me, it feels more like the way people talk about getting a tax return and in general, the idea is you shouldn't get any money back. You shouldn't owe, but you shouldn't get money back. Um, because if you get money back, that means you've essentially provided a loan to the government during the year. And that's money that you would prefer to, um, have and monitor. But I also know lots of other people who are like, this is awesome. I love getting a return because, Hey, I need a vacation case in point about how adults spend their money in ways that are perhaps not always ideal. Um, So what are your thoughts about this question of overpaying or taking out so many loans that you actually wind up with a refund? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the the short answer is that I I never, ever recommend that a family overborrow. So if it is, you know, if you're overborrowing, try not to. If there's no need, if there's nothing sort of out there that you need to pay as a result of that refund, try not to do that. However, I will give one caveat or or a couple caveats, and that is if part of your overall plan was to have funds available through the loans in which you borrowed, then it's absolutely a part of what you can do. Let me give an example. Um, If a student is living off campus, they're not going to incur room and board charges as they would by the college, but they're still going to have to pay room and board through, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever rental means or whatever it might be, paying their groceries. So the reality is if the family is borrowing, let's just use the example of a PLUS loan, to pay for the student's educational expenses, the... um, 
you know, those charges are real, and the only way they're going to be able to pay them is once they've gotten the money refunded by the college, and then they dole them out as needed for their expenses. So in that regard, if it's a part of your process, it's absolutely okay. Those are real expenses. The the one other caveat I will, will give around the refund, and if you are intending a refund, it's all good, but make sure you're doing what you intend with it. So, for example, if you know you're getting, you know, $8,000 in a refund and, and your rent is, you know, $8,000 a month over the eight or nine months the student is in school, make sure they're budgeting that $8,000 to cover what they're supposed to cover. I think yeah. probably one of the most important parts of, of, of the refund, an intended refund, is budgeting. You know, use the money for, you know, for which it is intended. Um, I, I forever think of the example of a student walking into my office in October, um, living off campus, got their refund in the middle of September, and I, I know what he purchased with it and said, all the money's <laughs> gone, but I didn't realize that was supposed to be my rent. So it's October. <laughs> we have to get to June. Um, so that is a problem, a big problem, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yikes. Yeah, I... I did not use a refund, but I, every summer I would work to earn the money. I I had promised my parents a certain amount of money that I would contribute to my college education. And um, for my junior year, I was living off campus. And basically I said, okay, I'm going to earn $2,000 over the summer. And that will be my rent money for the year. So I never actually handed over the money to my parents. And, you know, it was supposed to be my rent money for the year, and <laughs> yep. I may or may not have done the best job of budgeting that money and may or may not have found myself in a little bit of trouble um, about midway through the year when I realized that I had overspent. And, yep. um, you know, it, it was a it was a learning experience and I had to get an, an I had a job. I had to get a better job. And. I really kind of had to scrape and to make it through, but I did, and I I learned a lesson, and I never had to learn it again. So I guess that's another positive thing that I learned in college was around budgeting. But um, yeah, these are important conversations, I think, for parents and students to have um, if that is how they are planning to use a refund, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other tips or advice that you would have around this general issue of, um, you know, I do think it's a really interesting idea of borrowing more maybe than you need to have an emergency fund or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know if you see people doing that a lot or if you have alternatives to that that you ever um, suggest, but um, yeah, throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in a lot of cases, that's what families ultimately intend to do. You know, they, they say to themselves, we're going to cover the balance, whatever portion of the balance it is. Maybe it's after they've used cash flow and their savings, and they say, okay, we know this is what we're going to ultimately um, need to, to finish out. Let's just pad a little bit so that we don't run into any unforeseen circumstances. And the reality is, if they're sort of being deliberate about it. They know what they intend to do with it. And they ultimately know what their long-term indebtedness is going to look like. It, it's, it's, it's a part of the process. Um, it's just sort of, you know, being responsible, knowing exactly what you're borrowing and why. And if you've sort of done all that due diligence, then I think it, you're, you're good to go. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know, we probably have this conversation in one way or another every time we talk about loans of any type. Um, so I think it's the same thing. Just if, you, if you're creating this overage situation, do you need it? If you need it, how are you going to use it and, and do that responsibly? 
Yeah, and I I do, I wanted to reiterate the great advice that you had too around um, if you don't need it, send it right back to the loan so that it just cancels out that piece of your your loan. Because we talk to a lot of people and, and I'm sure our listeners read the newspapers, read the, I don't know, do people read newspapers anymore? They certainly read articles online about yeah, absolutely. The, student, you know, the, the loan, the student loan crisis that we're all in. And one of the ways to really avoid being a casualty in that is to um, always be thinking about, okay, can I use this money to pay down student loans? And the more that you can do that before you even graduate, it's the rare person who can, but if you have that opportunity, you want to take advantage of it. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today. Really helpful and uh, a great, great conversation about something I'm not sure a lot of people really think about. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to also thank Mark and Nick for joining today. Um, I want to encourage people to check out uh, Edmit and check out our new uh, collaboration with Edmit, edmit.me, M-E, forward slash college coach. Uh, next week, Ian is hosting. Uh, he's going to be talking about some interesting things. One of the big ones what can you do with a humanities degree? You know, we certainly hear people talking a lot lately about the importance of majoring in something that maybe is a little more pre-professional. But what happens if, like me, you want to do something crazy and major in English or some other area of the humanities? Um, I will. I'm here to. I'm living proof that all is not lost if you make that choice. And in fact, it can be a great choice. Um, we're also going to be talking about how to help, how we can help with the FAFSA or. or how, how to how for you to think about doing the FAFSA. I'm not sure we can specifically help you with the FAFSA, but we can certainly help you know and understand what to expect. Um, we're also going to be talking about demonstrated interest. It's some it's a term that you hear a lot. Um, it matters a lot at some colleges and not at all at others. And so, in office hours next week, we'll be talking demonstrated interest. Um, we'll be doing another listener Q and A in a show in the next couple of weeks. So, if you have questions, send them to us gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Again, it's gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. There are lots of great free ways to interact with us. We have our great blog at blog.getintocollege.com. We're on Pinterest. We're on uh, Facebook for sure. And of course, as always, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.